they are turning 65 years old. So I was talking to this guy who was helping plan on behalf of his siblings a joint birthday party for his parents who have birth dates that are very close to each other, and this year is their 65th birthday. And, and so he was telling me about this and how this was a high priority on his calendar, and, and, and then that's when he said it. This is their 65th birthday. And, you know, times like this are just really important because you don't know when you'll get them again. The tone of his voice made it sound like his parents could possibly be dead the day after their 65th birthday. Now, the objective part of me was listening to this, and I, I do know life expectancies pretty well, and if you've made it to 65, it means you're likely to make it about another 20 years. So, just statistically, I don't think they're dropping dead the day after their birthday, but the objective part of me is not the relevant point here. The, the subjective part of me is, is what really matters, because as of the recording of this particular sermon, I'm 63 years, two months, and 13 days old, which means I'm this close to being 65, which as far as this guy sounded means I'm pretty much dead already. They're, they're, they're turning 65 years old. I walked away from it, tried to be the better man, <laughs> and I realized any of us could be hit by a comet tomorrow. Age, though, it's a relative thing, right? When you're a teenager and you look at somebody who's in their 30s raising their kids, they're like in a different world. You can't even imagine it. And then when you're in your 30s raising your kids and working, and you look at somebody who's in their maybe older 60s who's twice your age, and maybe they're retired and... Either they're struggling on a limited income or they're doing really well and kind of enjoying retirement. Either way, it's such a hard thing to really even imagine in your own life. Age is an amazingly relative thing. So is money. Are you rich or poor? It's a binary choice. You can't be somewhere in between. Are you rich or are you poor? And, and, and obviously, in all of history, including our own, that, that's a tough one to resolve. It's very relative whether someone is poor or rich when it comes to material things. But we get to Jesus and today's version of the Beatitudes from Luke's Gospel, and Jesus makes it really simple and clean-cut and kind of hard to hear. You know, blessed are the poor and the hungry and those who mourn, and woe to those who are rich and full and laughing. Which are you, rich or poor? Let me throw a couple of statistics at you. Uh, so let's just say we're all average, and uh, we're part of, most of us, uh, Unity Lutheran Church. Unity Lutheran Church is located in Brookfield, Wisconsin. Median income, household income in Brookfield, Wisconsin in 2019 was $108,000. Uh, average household income in Brookfield, Wisconsin in that same year was $150,000. Median household income in the United States was $67,000. So Brookfield's median is more than twice that of the national, or national median. And on a worldwide basis, median household income is $9,700. That means in Brookfield, it's 11 times what it is in the rest of the world. 
Are you rich or are you poor? I, I know there's great variability within our congregation. We do have people who are very low income and people who are very high income and everything in between. But if you just go on the averages, and as a congregation, I think we probably are kind of close to all of those averages. If you had to say, are we rich or are you poor, realizing that our, our median household income is 11 times that of, of the rest of the world, I think you'd have to say we're rich. Uh, or perhaps the, perhaps the easier way to put it is, you'd have a hard time making the case that we're poor. Which is it? This gets us then a little deeper to today's gospel message. So, so Jesus leads with the, the blessings. Blessed are the, blessed are the poor, blessed are the hungry, uh, blessed are those who are weeping and mourning. Uh, he is so with them in their need and situation. But then it's reversed, and he speaks those lines of, of woe. Uh, and, and just take the first one. Blessed are the poor, uh, blessed are, or woe to the rich because you have received uh, your consolation. That's an interesting phrase there. Uh, because A, there's a, there's a sense of sadness to it, uh, a sense of finality. You've, you've received all there is to get. And he uses a technical Greek word there for like a stamped receipt. In other words, you've gotten as much as you're going to get, and really all you have to show for it is this receipt. You've received your consolation. So, um, I prayed about this sermon before giving it, um, which is not something I always do. In other words, I, I always think being immersed in the word and, and wondering how it applies to our lives nowadays, that in itself is a prayer, and, and a lot of times that's the prayerful part of my uh, preparation for a sermon. Um, but the reason I was a little more specific in thinking about this sermon is, is it's it's a hard one for you to listen to as an audience because if you grant to me that, that the opening premise that on average most of us who listen to this fall more into the rich category than into the poor, it's hard to listen to Jesus say that. He doesn't leave really any room for an, an out. Blessed are the poor is very different than woe to you who are rich. And if we fall into that category, he's kind of saying to you, this is all it is. There isn't much more than that. But he doesn't say it in a hard and vindictive way. It's almost worse because he says it in kind of a, a sad, resigned sort of way. That's a hard thing to preach about. So then I thought I could maybe get myself out of it by preaching about the larger context. That, that doesn't turn out too well for you as an audience or for me as a preacher either because here's the larger context. What comes right before this is the call of the disciples. And then what happened in today's gospel lesson? Jesus launches into this nonstop activity of, of healing, and it's super intense and busy. And then he starts what we usually call the Sermon on the Mount, and he starts with those blessings and woes, goes, goes right at it. And, and then it's not like he lowers the, the temperature. He keeps raising it. The whole next section is uh, there's no point uh, if you're going to return evil for evil. Uh, you, you need to return good for evil, and you need to pray for your enemies. 
That's a higher bar to match. Then, then the next bar he puts out there is even higher. You should spend no time trying to take the speck out of your neighbor's eye if you haven't taken the log out of your own. And, and, and so in addition to the, the, the beatitudes and woes and in addition to the, the challenge of, of returning good for evil in life, then the biggest thing is we can't like blame anybody else. We've got to work on our own spiritual business. And then the very last thing he does is he just lays it as a choice. You can build your house on solid ground or on the sinking sand, which is it going to be? And when all of that is said, he goes back to the hard work of healing people. It is so intense and so demanding, and, and laying that on you is, is no fun task, and hearing it is a challenge too. Because honestly, if, if you really kind of think about it, the, the number of people who can accept that degree of challenge is very limited. It's a hard thing for us to contemplate. So then another thing I was thinking about is we're in the Lutheran tradition. We talk a lot about the grace of God. Surely Jesus is gracious. And there's even a, a line of thought in our seminaries that, that says every sermon needs to include a sense of, of God's grace. But I wonder about that. Because today's gospel lesson, at some level, it doesn't have a lot of grace, nor does that entire Sermon on the Mount. It's challenging, and Jesus doesn't want us to let ourselves off the hook. In, in, in preaching grace, do we, at some level, uh, talk ourselves into thinking that Jesus does not challenge us in life, and therefore we have no work to do on ourselves? And I think the answer to that is, yeah, we've got work to do at ourselves, and we shouldn't kind of sneak our way out of the responsibility. So if you can't preach grace, and if you have to preach the truth of the gospel for that week, then, then what are we going to talk about now? And I started thinking about bees, bee attitudes. We were playing with that in the call to worship to this sermon. And if, if you're just listening online, I, I'm, I'm spelling beatitude here not as B-E-A as it would be in scripture, but B-E-E -E, or B-E as in bees, honeybees, and our attitudes in life. So let's start a little bit with honeybees for, for just a bit. At some level, we as human beings are nothing like honeybees, of course. They live four or five weeks on average. Uh, they're, they're almost exclusively female and sterile. Uh, the queen bee is not so much a queen as someone who spends pretty much its whole, her whole life in darkness. And though she is the mother of the hive, she doesn't have a lot of maternal instincts, actually. In many respects, we're totally unlike honeybees. On the other hand, we have a lot in common with them. They like to dance, for example. That's how they point the hive to where they're going to find food. We like the dance. Even if you're not good at dancing, if you're like me, you still love watching people who are good at dancing. We love to dance. Um, we're good at working together. It may not always seem like it, but yeah, we human beings, we're pretty good at working together, and we're even pretty good in our better moments at sacrificing for each other. We, as it turns out, have a lot in common with the bees, not the least of which is, who doesn't like honey? But the biggest thing we have in common with bees is this. Your average worker bee lives four or five weeks. It's uh, on the go pretty much 24-7 that whole time, and it eventually, as far as we can tell, works itself to death. In other words, if you think about it, your average honeybee 
is just being itself. It's being what it was made to be. And that, I think, is what we probably most have in common with honeybees if you think of your primary identity as a disciple of Jesus Christ. If that is your identity, then just be yourself. So think of the, the whole of who Jesus was. He is a demanding teacher and an, an amazing debater who goes after those who are, who are hypocritical and self-righteous about their religiosity. He does all of that and so much more. But what else does he do? He gets away to pray by himself. He takes his disciples essentially on retreats so that they can refresh and renew. He goes to weddings and makes even more wine when they run out. We know he sat down and ate and drank with sinners and tax collectors. And that must have been a lot of fun because people flocked to be a part of that. We know that he noticed individuals. He could see Zacchaeus up in the tree and say, hey, come down. I'm going to your house to eat. He could, he could talk to the Samaritan woman at the well when those were the only two standing there. And, and he, could, he could talk to the, the depth of the heart of her being. In other words, who Jesus is and who he longs for us to be is to, is to be people who live the balanced life. And see, now that gets us back to those beatitudes because now I think you can see a little bit more richly what he's trying to get at, which is his sympathy in his heart is always going to be with those who lack or are in need or are in mourning or in loss. That's where his heart is going to go. And, and it's not like when, when he gives the woes to, to the rich and those who are full, it's, it's not like he's like starting the proletariat uh, war against the the bougie people out there. That's not where he's going. There is a sadness when he speaks the woes to like, is that all you really want out of life is, is the material things you have devoted yourself to? Because it's kind of a dead end. And see, I think that's what he's driving at. That's what he comes to time and time again, especially in Luke's gospel as we read through it this year, uh, which is that, that wealth in and of itself is just kind of a value-free thing, but what it does to our souls is distract us from balance, and we get more and more out of balance, and, and, and then it, it hurts us grievously. I, I, I think um, I'm a guy, so maybe I'm, I'm uh, biased in saying this, but I'm, I'm still struck in our culture how even after all sorts of changes in, in gender roles, how there's still a ton of pressure in our culture for men to kind of live into that identity as someone who provides for the family. And it's not like that's a bad thing, but man, I've, I've seen a lot of men who have provided for their family, but they've, they've not been the father they wanted to be, and they've not been the, the husband that they wanted to be or could have been. And I'm not saying that, like, like, let's feel sorry for all of us men, but it's just an example of how our priorities, not just as individuals sometimes, but as, as a whole group of people, sways in the direction of the material and away from the relationships that we should have been investing in all the time. You, you don't want to get to be 65, for example. And, and look back on it and say, wow, my priorities were off. Yeah, conversely, I think a really cool trend in our culture, and, and you see this more and more at birthdays, even 65th birthdays, and at Christmas, is that people don't give as much stuff anymore, and they, and they try and give experiences. And see, that, that's it. 
give something that's about relationship. Give a walk in a park together. There are a thousand things it can be. Uh, and, and you can be so much more creative with an experience than you can be with an item. This is a good instinct on our part. Go back to the bees, be attitudes, just be who you are. What's, what's the most essential trait of the hive and the honeybees? So we have a number of beekeepers in our congregation. I did a podcast with two of them last year, listened to our belief beat on this, but it was with um, Bob Zimbinski and, and Steve Dolan. And I, I think it was Steve who was saying, I, I asked him, you know, if you're interested in bees, what would it kind of take to be a beekeeper? And he said, well, one of the things that people don't always think about is you have to be kind of strong. Because, like, when you lift the, the slides out of the, the hive, um, I, I don't know what those exactly are called, those things are heavy. They can weigh to, like, 100 pounds. And some of that is the frame, but most of that is the honey. Bees make a crazy amount of honey. And now think of Jesus. If you take a good seed and you plant it in good soil, and your good seed, you've got to trust your good seed. And you, you have to trust that, that God places you in some good soil. What do you end up yielding? 30, 60, 100 fold. Like the bees, you and I can be crazily abundant because we can do, at least some of the times, the things that you could never do by yourself. You actually can, maybe this week, work on getting the log out of your eye. You actually can, this week, pray for enemies, return good in the face of evil. You actually can, this week, recognize that your priorities and balance is way out of whack. And, and that, that more investment in stuff, ugh, that'll drain you deeper but to invest in the people and the love and the needs of the world around you, not for an hour or two, but for 10, 20 hours in a week. That seems crazy, doesn't it? But, but maybe that's actually balance. These are the things we pray about, right? These are the things that the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes and woes lead us to be challenged by and also to receive grace into. May your blessing for the week to come be an attitude of welcome to what Jesus says to us in this week's gospel. And may it also be an awareness that it's okay to be exactly who you are, a disciple of Jesus Christ. It turns out that be attitudes and the be attitudes, they're pretty much the same thing. Done.